Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. So I have a chair up here. Um, I was doing some landscaping yesterday and like lifting a tree or like not a big tree, but let's pretend it's a big tree. And the back thing just, okay. I may have to use that. Don't feel too sorry for me though, because basically I just got the smoke ribs and lay around and watch college football for the rest of the day. So there's a silver lining to this dark cloud. Let's, uh, let's get into the word. Here's the deal. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. So bear with me as we read. It should be on the screen. If not, grab your phones out, get your Bible apps open, or if you've got this is a Bible on actual paper. Um, they still make these, but Bible apps work too. Let's read. We're in Luke chapter 7. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him, and he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died, was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up, and he touched the bier, and the bears stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God had visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. And this is 
the Word of God. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive in to all of this. Simply, Lord, we come to you in this moment simply asking, open our eyes that we can behold awesome, awesome things from your word. It's your name we pray. Amen. No one, I repeat, no one is out of the reach of the influence and the pursuit of Jesus. No one is beyond the restoration power of Jesus Christ. And here we have today two stories. We have a centurion and we have this widow woman. We'll start with the centurion. So Jesus comes and, and there's this centurion that had a servant who was sick to the point of death. Now let's talk about a centurion. What is that exactly? That is a Roman military man. That is a man among men. That is a leader of men. A centurion. Now something we need to make sure we understand here. This centurion, his ways, his ways are very different than the ways of the religious. The centurion was a man of power, a man of influence, and he had a servant who was sick, sick to the point of death, the Bible says. And if you look at verse 3, the centurion heard about Jesus, and then he sent elders of the Jews to ask Jesus to come heal his servant. And then these elders of the Jews go to Jesus, and they're like, hey, you've got to come do this. This guy is worthy. He loves our nation. He's the one who built us our synagogue. And here we are introduced to this concept of social capital. So what is social capital? Now here's what I did. To, I just went to Wikipedia, right? Like Daniel and I, or whoever's preaching, I promise you, they labor over the word. And then sometimes we just go to Wikipedia. So... So in looking at this concept of social capital, here's what we have. Social capital, the resources and relationships one can use to influence people and or impact society. The centurion understood this, social capital. He was the man, like, he funded this Jewish house of worship, the Bible says, and he's in Capernaum, so let's, let's just get an idea of the type of people we're talking about. We're talking about hardworking, blue-collar, like fishermen and their families in this town. And this centurion provided some rule over them. Like Rome was in charge. But it seems that this centurion had some wisdom. It seems that he was a person of peace, like he... He built them a church. He was powerful, but he found a way to gain social capital and he leveraged his influence. So he sends these Jewish leaders to Jesus on his behalf. Now why did he do this? This is a man of power, of prestige, but he sends the Jewish leaders to Jesus on his behalf. Why? Go back to verse 2. He had a servant who was sick to the point of death. 
What's the point? Even the most powerful, even the most influential have their limitations. So the question now is this, what is Jesus like with such men of the world? What is Jesus like with the successful? What is Jesus like with the powerful? What is Jesus like with men of influence? Or we could say, what is Jesus like with the 1%? Verse 6 tells us, And Jesus went. And Jesus went. See, Jesus isn't worried about what people will think. Jesus understands social capital, it would seem to me. Jesus had no fear in getting tangled up and doing good even where it appeared like there might be some preferential treatment. This is a big deal. It's a really big deal. What do you think the crowds were expecting? See, there's always a great crowd around Jesus now. What do you think they were expecting? What do you think they wanted Jesus to do? See, because in their minds... Rome is the oppressor. Like, this is an opportunity. This is our guy. We've been following him, and this is an opportunity to tell the centurion to just stick it. Imagine if Jesus had withdrawn. Had Jesus withdrawn, the region and the world would not be a better place. See, here's what you got to understand. Jesus is just coming like he is fresh off of a white-hot sermon, right? You can go back. You can go back to Luke chapter 6. Check this out, verse 27, where Jesus preaches this sermon. This is fresh on the ears of anyone around, okay? But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And on down in verse 31 of chapter 6, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That's the sermon on the ears of the people. And here we have a Roman stationed in Palestine. Now he's there to, to subject the Jews to the emperor's rule. This man was a man of war. Make no mistake about it. You don't just become a centurion by accident. You achieve the rank of centurion by distinguishing yourself above others, specifically in the art of brutal Roman martial arts. This is the guy we're talking about here. Jesus went. Jesus. Now, was he getting himself into a potentially muddy situation here? Yep. See, Rome had a reputation. Jesus, you're you're going? This This is a Roman soldier. Like, they have a reputation. 
And he went, fully capable of maintaining his integrity while stepping into the muddy situation. And so should we be. So should we be eager to step into some muddy situations? Because here's the easy thing to do, church. I'm talking to the church. Here's the easy thing to do. So easy, so easy. Weak, easy. I go on for days. Here's the easy thing. Us versus them is easy. It's a coward's way. Us versus them. I'm going to withdraw And I'm going to isolate and I'm not going to get into any muddy situations. And I want to tell you in love this morning, if you are one who isolates, you are one who is off mission. If you are one who isolates, I'm going to tell you in love this morning, it is not the way of our king. And we are here to mimic our king. Jesus went. Verse 6 goes on to tell us, the centurion must have, must have had some sort of epiphany, right? He sends these Jewish leaders, he's like, whoa, 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 what am I this is Jesus. Like, I've heard of the things he can do. And he's sitting with his buddies, right? Likely soldiers, because soldiers hang with soldiers, right? He's like, hey, guys, go, go to Jesus. You tell him he didn't, even, he didn't even need to come here. Like, he can just say the word. So that's what they do. They go to Jesus, and they deliver a message and the centurion understands authority. And he just explains it to Jesus. Hey, I have authority. When I tell people to do something, they do it. You have authority. You could just say for this to be done, and it will be done. And that's what we see here. We see this exhibition of faith on the part of this Gentile, pagan, centurion. And Jesus, doing what Jesus does, he knows, who's in, he knows who's within earshot, right? This group of Jews that just came and told me this guy's worthy. Jesus goes, I haven't even seen this faith in Israel. So we see a man who puts on an exhibition of faith, and we see a man who understands authority. Now let me be very clear about this. In what do we see the authority in this story? Verse 7. You ready? Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but, here it is, but say the word. But say the word. The authority was in the word, and the Jews didn't even understand this. They're, they're sitting around, what, what's going on? That's why Jesus put Jesus in awe. He's like, he was amazed. He hadn't seen this faith, even in Israel. This centurion understood not just authority in general, but the authority of Jesus. Say the word. And Jesus marveled 
And then Jesus does it. They go back. This dude's healed. This guy's servant was healed. Are you a person? Listen, listen to me. Are you a person this morning of influence? Are you a person with some power? Are you a person this morning with some social capital? Jesus comes for you. He can meet your needs. And here is where maybe we find some of your limitations this morning. See, it's maybe not that you have a sick servant or a servant who is sick and at the point of death, as the Bible says. What about your marriages? Are they sick to the point of death? about your relationship with your family? Is it sick to the point of death? What about other relationships? Are they sick to the point of death? Take heart. Jesus comes for you too. And then Luke, doing what Luke does, immediately jumps to this impoverished widow Just go with me. Like, imagine this scene, okay? I want, I want to make sure you understand this. Because if we think like Jesus is walking around from city to city, and he's got like these brown robed hoods, and they're all like, oh, I'm going to the next city to heal people. Like, just these quiet, like, listen to me. Like, party. Okay? Huge crowd. Jesus does insane things people never seen before. We're talking party of people. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Huge party, loud, laughing, singing, dancing, excitement. Come on, are you there with me? Like, can you go there with me? And he drew near to the gate of the town Behold, he drew near to the gate of the town. You ready? Behold. Now imagine a party. Go with me like to movies if you watch movies, right? Loud party, dancing, screaming, and then like record screeches. Stop. Are you with me? Like, like six of you, your faces are with me. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It makes me feel better. It gives us some confidence up here. Behold, music stops, laughing stops, record screechers, like, screechers, like listen to me, you got rager meets funeral procession. Great crowd, significant crowd, crazy loud party dancing, funeral procession. We see a woman with this crowd, a considerable crowd, and it's not just a woman, but a woman who has lost everything. 
we see one who grieves. We see one who suffered great loss. We see one who weeps. We see one with no social status. See, with this loss, she had no way of supporting herself. The Bible is very clear. She lost her son, her one and only son, a widow. Like, can you see the heart of Jesus in this passage? First, we see Jesus, and he goes up into this arena of high social capital. Like a centurion. And he goes up, and he went. And now we see Jesus who goes low where there's no social standing whatsoever. Now hear me. Every person in this room is either here or you're here or you're somewhere in between. None of us are excluded from what we are reading here today. And in seeing Jesus reach up into the arena of high social capital and reach low where there is no social standing at all, here's what we see. Are you ready? We see love. We see the gospel. Are you alone this morning? Are you grieving anything this morning? You hurt you hurt this morning. Behold. Jesus is at your gate. So he comes to the gate of this city where this party meets funeral procession. Jesus is at your gate this morning. And look what he does. Man, we can't miss things in Scripture. It's so rich. It's so rich we can't miss it. Look at this. Verse 13. This is huge. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Listen to me. That is the pattern. Over and over and over in Scripture, the Lord saw, the Lord had compassion. The Lord saw, the Lord had compassion. Let me make two points here. The Lord sees you this morning. Number two, who are you seeing or not seeing? If your compassion meter is running low, it could be we need to see a little better. See a little more. That's the pattern of our king, and we're supposed to mimic our king. He saw, he had compassion. That's the pattern all throughout Scripture. Now check this. It says he, come and t he, he came up, he touched the beer. That's B-I-E-R. They probably had some of the other stuff in the back of the big party. I don't know. Okay. He came up and he touched the beer. Now listen. The, the bears, the pallbearers stood still. You ready? You ready for this? And he said, what did he do? Come on. And he said, what did he do? Mm -hmm. 
and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up. Where's the authority in this narrative? Okay, let's hit rewind. Where was the authority with the centurion? In his word. Where's the authority in this narrative? Same place. Authority is in his Word. If you're visiting a hill city this morning, I want you to understand the church you are in. We still believe this today. That the authority is in the Word. Okay, listen to me. This doesn't really have a ton to do with the sermon. I just got to... Some of you could drastically... Some of you could drastically change your lives. Drastically. By simply just reading this. where the authority is. Okay, let's check this out. Verse 15, I got to say it again. And the dead man sat up. And the dead man sat up. And then he started talking. No one is out of the reach of the influence and pursuit of Jesus. No one is beyond the restoration power of Jesus. Not even a dead guy. Christ followers, fellow Disciples of Jesus, hear me. We can never, ever, listen, we can never, ever forget. Never, ever forget your greatest need and my greatest need was to be raised from the dead. That's the gospel. Like, we're born dead. You understand that, right? All of us are born dead, the Bible tells us, separated from the love of Jesus. We're born dead. It's not up for discussion. We're born dead. But Jesus came. He lived this perfect life, was killed on our behalf, put in the ground, raised from the dead. He's still alive today. And through this death, burial, and resurrection, now we have a way to life. That's the gospel. Listen, this is huge. Luke chapter 7 is still happening every day. Every day. That's why we're going to have a baptism on September 30th. Because Luke chapter 7 happened. And we're going to celebrate it. We're going to come to the table. And there's going to be a bunch of people. That's going to partake of the table. You know why? Because Luke chapter 7 happened. So 
So when was it when Jesus came to you? I'm just going to start pointing at people. Don't get uncomfortable. When was it when Jesus came to you and said, young man, rise up? When was it when Jesus came to you and said, young lady, rise up? When was your Luke 7? That is what we celebrate this morning. It's what we celebrate every Sunday. It's called a gospel rhythm. We rehearse the gospel every Sunday. You know why? Because Luke 7 happens. So we're going to come to the table. And it's a rehearsal. Because Luke 7 happened. And we're going to celebrate Jesus because we breathe and we live and we have life because of him. God, you are so stinking good. So good. God, forgive us. Forgive us when we forget that Luke 7 still happens. Forgive us when we don't realize that it's even more amazing than if a dead person would literally rise. But passing from death to life spiritually and knowing that we have sweet fellowship with you, Lord, may we embrace it. May we never forget that. May that put us in awe.